Hello and welcome to a special intimate wow. bonus episode of Achievement Oriented, the Ringer's video game podcast, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Yeah. I'm Ben Lindbergh of the Ringer. I'm yes. joined by Jason Concepcion. Jason, we haven't done this in a while. It's just the That's two right. of us. Just it's really binge mode. Three of us. Oh wait, it's did me, I say you, binge and you I'm did. Concussed. <laughs> Sorry. I know. I was just going to say, it's, it's you, me, and your mild concussion symptoms, yeah. which are like a, a third guest on this podcast. Achievement-oriented so, intimates. I, I haven't heard the story. I saw some tweets, but yeah. I know that you've been mildly concussed. It was, concussed. It was, it was not. What happened? I have two mild black eyes. I'll tell you what happened, Ben. Please do. Saturday morning slash afternoon, um, working on some stuff, you know, as I do. Never work, mm-hmm. never stops here. Always working. Always, Always working, working. Working around the fucking clock here. Even when you're concussed, you're well, violating well, all pre- kinds of concussion is, protocols right, right pre-concussion. now. Pre-concussion. Yeah, okay. Um, so I was um, like, you know what? I need caffeine. I'm going to uh-huh. go to Starbucks. I'm going to walk to Starbucks. So I leave my my house, walking to Starbucks. Now, uh, I'm walking. I'm on the south side of a street called the Long Prix. And on the other side of the street is Jim Henson Studios, and there's this white, like, uh, like a trailer or like mm-hmm. a truck. And unbeknownst to me, because I can only see the one side of the truck, on the other side of the truck is a ramp uh, that connects like an opening in the truck to the loading dock of Jim Henson Studios, and the, and the ramp is at head height, and sure. it's being used to, I would later find. Uh, load equipment into Jim Henson Studios for the wedding of uh, Pat Oswald. Pat Oswald, oh, okay. his, his wife sure. passed away 18 months ago and now he's getting remarried. Yes. So right. I cross the street. Now I'm behind the truck. I still don't see the ramp. I pull out my phone. I get on the Starbucks app uh, because it's a great <laughs> and it's a very expedient way. Juliet, uh, one of our editors here, one of mm-hmm. the best people here that we have, an incredible personality. Yes. And uh, just a pop culture genius, Juliet Littman here, uh, is a pr- the person who turned me onto the Starbucks app, um, berated me for not using the Starbucks app. So I use it now, and I pulled out my phone to, to get on the Starbucks app. I was ordering a dark roast venti size with some half and half. <laughs> Starbucks, not actually a sponsor of this podcast. Not a sp- but-, but, you know, we're working on it. I think it would be great yeah. for us personally. <laughs> sure. And then uh, as... So now I'm I'm I turn left to start walking past the truck. Now I'm looking down at my phone. I'm walking towards this ramp that I don't see, and you know I I'm having this thing where uh, you know I you have to select what Starbucks you want the order to be delivered to or to to be sent to, and so you know it's like I had. It wants me to immediately select the one that's closest to work, but I'm trying to select the one that's closest to my apartment, and that's like hangs me up a little bit. And I'm walking at a good pace, mm-hmm. a New York City pace, right? Yes. So at a distracted, clip, a lot going on. Yeah, and I and I just walk straight into this ramp, like head first, <laughs> and it just clocks me, and it's like I have double vision. I'm staggering around. I don't know what's going on. I go home, and by the way, let me just say this: uh, no. Cones, no tape. <laughs> the sidewalks are no longer safe. Listen, this is a, if a this menace is, to the public. If this is any city in America, 
with a with any kind of pedestrian culture, right. or that even just yeah. cared about the, the the health and safety and well being of its people, of its citizenry. Is, it's They'd your fault ha- for not being in a car, really. <laughs> Listen, I was look. I was distracted. Can I get a cone? Can I get an orange cone? Can I get one cone? Can I get a cone on either side? Like, can I get something, some kind of something that, hey, look out. Yeah, this is, it's bad level design. That's nothing. What this is. <laughs> I got nothing. So I went home. I tweeted about it. I was like, hey, I just walked straight into a thing like AMA. Let me know. My nose is swelling up. I got black eyes. My head hurts. I, I'm icing my face. Night, you know, day passes into night. I sleep a lot. Wake up on Sunday and I'm like, actually, you know what? I'm I'm concussed, like for sure. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I go to the I go to the emergency room the next on the Monday, um, and yeah, I, they did the tests and I have a concussion. There's no danger. I, there's no danger uh-huh. of uh, you know, like any kind of Natasha Richardson type situation, but mm-hmm. uh, it's a mild concussion, and I, and there you have it. I well, I've, I've, Pat Oswald here. <laughs> Pat Oswald get at me. Yeah, it was like for I mean it was like it was it felt bad. Let me not yeah. I don't want to undercut this. Yeah, no. Or, or undersell it rather. Yeah, no. It feels I feel bad. Pain. I feel bad. <laughs> I don't feel yeah, good. Well, I'm glad that this didn't happen to you while you were playing Switch because no, I would hate God. for your relationship with Switch to be soured. Well, my by, sunglasses, by I lost injury. I lost my sunglasses, my headphones are gone. Like I don't know what happened there. I was wearing So the upshot is that you have not played many video games this week 100%. because you've been concussed and uh that makes it hard to stare at a screen for a long period of time. But I have played enough Let's video talk games about for it. both of us. Tell me about it. Yeah. We've got three games that I want to talk to you about today, so we'll we'll just get through this with some sort of Socratic method dialogue <laughs> here yes, where absolutely. I tell you about it, you ask me questions. So we want to talk about Call of Duty World War II, which I have completed the campaign, dabbled in multiplayer. We want to talk about The Frozen Wilds, the new DLC expansion for one of our favorite games of the year, Horizon Zero Dawn. Then I want to tell you about Super Lucky's Tale, which I also spent an unexpected amount of time with. So we'll go in order. Let's start with Call of Duty because everyone is interested in Call of Duty right now. And I mean, clearly going back to the roots of the series, going back to World War II has paid off financially. I'm getting press releases about how this game has sold twice as much as Infinite Warfare did last year in the opening weekend. And it's setting records for digital one-day downloads. And I was okay with Infinite Warfare. I enjoyed Infinite Warfare. I don't need my boots to be on the ground. I'm okay with space suits in vacuum. I like sci-fi Call of Duty, but... I understand why people sheared the decision to go back to World War II for the umpteenth time. But in fairness, it's been a while. It's been almost a decade, I guess. Call of Duty World at War was the last one that that featured World War II. So I played the campaign, and I know that the campaign is not really the main attraction in Call of Duty and Battlefield and games like this for most people. But for me, it it kind of is. It's the main event just because I don't tend to get sucked into online multiplayer shooters all that much. So 
I enjoy Call of Duty campaigns. You know, they're short. You go in knowing what they are. It's going to take you six hours or something, and it's just going to be a blast of intensity. It's going to be like Dunkirk kind of in a video game. It's just (laughs) going to be an assault on your ears and your eyes, and then it's going to be over, and it's not going to do anything revolutionary, but it's going to look good and sound good and and be good. And I got to say, I'm a bit disappointed by the campaign in Call of Duty World War II for Various reasons. Mm-hmm. I I was let down. I was underwhelmed. And I think, I mean, part of it's just the fatigue of the setting and the environment. And, you know, they start you off with the D-Day landing. And the D-Day landing at this point has reached like Battle of Hoth levels in video games where you've played it in 10 different iterations and console generations. And so it doesn't quite have the same impact that it did the first time, even if the first time, like I went back and and watched some videos of like Medal of Honor, Allied Assault and landing on, on Normandy's beaches for the first time. And it, it was great. Like at the time, was it, it, you know, I I think it (laughs) looking back at it now, it's, it's like extremely unimpressive, but I can remember (laughs) playing Medal of Honor games and like, calling my mom in because right. like at, look at, at that this. time yeah i still like thought maybe i could convince my mom that video games were not a total waste of time so when there would be a cool action set piece or something i'd call her in and be like look at this and she'd you know nod and walk away but it just it doesn't have the same impact yeah. for me i, I gotta tell you a- allied assault um i remember the the commercial for allied assault uh-huh. Was like it had the it had the the theme music from uh from the end of do you remember the Matthew uh, the uh, movie I'm concussed guys uh, <laughs> Glory about the first uh, black regiment uh, yeah in the, in sure the Civil War. yeah Denzel yeah Denzel and and uh, great movie uh, whatever the other guy's name is and so <laughs> <laughs> Broderick Broderick Matthew Broderick and yes. um you know at the end they charge uh, the Charleston battery. And there's this like really pumping soundtrack and that's the soundtrack they used for the commercial. And it's like, you know, like you're charging uh, the Normandy beaches. And then I remember I booted Allied Assault up and it was like, you know, the the console can only render like five guys at a time, right. and it's there's no yes. one on the beach, and it's just yeah. like yeah. I, I went back and watched a video of it on YouTube, and it is, it's pretty gross <laughs> yeah, it now. But I was impressed at the time. Yeah. Anyway, so I mean, obviously, this game looks better than yes. any previous version of yes. this type of game, but to me. Like it has that Call of Duty problem of just being extremely scripted, yeah. and that's that's always part of the Call of Duty experience. But yeah, for whatever reason, happened. this time, yeah, it, and it just it, it almost felt like a a shooting gallery kind of where like you know guys will pop out, targets will appear, mm. and then they'll disappear. Or it almost reminded me of like a ride at an amusement park, like it's a small world or something where. You know, you'll you'll just be riding around in some sort of vehicle and then you'll pause and some characters will pop up and they'll talk and interact in some way and then they'll disappear again. It it felt very artificial to me like that. And there were a lot of times where, you know, you just got the sense you could just see the seams of like how the game is waiting for you to cross this invisible line to swing into action. 
and it, it just didn't feel like an organic experience to me. It, it felt like it was all sort of for show, for my benefit. I didn't feel like I was part of a larger battle. Now, did you play Call of Duty 2 on the Xbox 360? That was a launch title for Xbox 360, the, the yes, console. Yes, I think so. There have yeah. been like 14 Call of Duty yes. sales, so they, they kind been, of blend together well, in my mind. Been, oh, it was, I think it was only one of three World War Two Xbox <laughs> yeah. uh, Call of Duty two <laughs> right. Call of Duties for Xbox three sixty including Call of Duty three. Yeah. Well actually four World at War and then the uh the World War Two Treyarch one, which I forget mm-hmm. what that was called. Anyway, um that game was was excellent and mm-hmm. the set piece battles were constructed in such a way that um even though it was heavily scripted, it felt great so it's interesting uh-huh. to hear that that that's not the case now for instance like I, yeah. one of the one of the great set piece battles in, in call of duty 2 for the xbox 360 was you've got to hold this kind of like hill fort and mm-hmm. you know as you're running around trying to plug these holes in the in the fence line you know, it's, the guys are coming up and they're they're all of a sudden in the foxholes and there's guys behind you and you're just trying to like hold them off as best you can yeah. and and the thing that I, I remember about it was the ai for for as scripted as it was and as many kind of like cannon foddery npcs as there were um the ai was such that uh there was a feeling of uh variety that that made it kind of exciting you need to shoot a guy mm-hmm. and then he'd fall down but then he'd like heave back up to his hands and knees and start crawling right. at you um is there anything like that in in this I didn't get that sense. I never got that feeling of flow or exhilaration that you get on a virtual battlefield. Like I cranked up the surround sound. It sounded great. I was trying to get into that. But for whatever reason, it just all seemed so constructed to me. And if you die and replay a sequence, it's like exactly the same. Like nothing plays out any differently. Like the guys will enter in the same part of the screen at the same moment. And it, it just, it really took away from the experience for me. And I mean, the story, again, you're not really coming to a Call of Duty game for the story, but I thought the story was an improvement and they do make an effort here to, you know, integrate some some African-American characters, some women, you know, it's right. harder to do that, obviously, with a, a World War One, the, the, you know, army was not integrated at the time. Right. It, it poses some challenges. It was but... not integrated in World War Two either. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, this is it's challenging, but I think they did what they could there. And yeah, there's like a sequence at the end where you're liberating a, a POW camp, concentration camp, and, you know, you kind of get nervous about call of duty handling subject matter like that but i i think they did it as well as they could have you know so i i give them some credit for that and you're essentially you're following this core group of guys in a platoon and there's a a sergeant who's kind of got a captain bly thing going on and he's you know kind of he's getting shell-shocked or he's haunted by previous battles and he's pushing them in too far and you do kind of get attached to some of the characters, I would say, but the way that the story is integrated into the gameplay is, again, just very superficial. Like, huh. there are s- squad commands, kind of, but not really. Like, you can't right. direct anyone. All it is is you can basically just press a button on the D-pad when you're close to a guy, and he'll just he'll throw you some ammo or a oh, med great. kit or something. It's like yeah, they're just dispensers of items. It's yeah. it's very rudimentary. And that's, I, I mean, that's that's yeah. disappointing. That's very it like is. three console life cycles ago. Yeah, a lot of, of it you know, felt like, like that to me. 
yeah, like, I mean, just the, the graphics are great. They look current gen or next gen, but the actual mechanics here did not feel like that at all to me. And the fact that there are med kits, health packs, basically, <laughs> yeah. felt very, <laughs> like, anachronistic to me. Like, I mean, not that a med kit is any less realistic than just waiting for your right. health to recharge, right. but... To me, it feels much more intrusive when you have Certainly. to press a button to heal yourself and then, you know, he'll bring out the med kit and do something that you can't really see. And you've got a health bar that you're monitoring constantly. To me, it's just a better solution to have the recharging health. I agree. That, and, and, yeah. And it's interesting because that's one of the, you know, it's one of the innovations. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure they call it innovated on this, but... You know, it was the the med kit was the was the standard way of of getting your health back up pre yeah. the regenerating health system, right. which is you know it's, it's a trade off to make the gameplay more fluid, and I think it's certainly one of the things that like sprinting or pulling the left trigger to aim a weapon uh, is basic design language now of a first person shooter. So it's really interesting yes. that they would go back to a med kit system. To me, that whole system just seemed very tacked on and extraneous compared to even something going back to the Xbox days, the first two Brothers in Arms games, which I loved. Those are maybe my favorite World War II themed shooters ever, certainly up there. In that, the the squad commands were really integrated into the game. It was a core part of the progression. And in World War II, it's just feels like something they added so they could say there were squad commands without actually adding anything to the game. Anyway, many people who buy this game don't care about the campaign, skip the campaign. It's the usual length. It's like 11 levels. It'll maybe take you a little longer than than six hours, but there's some memorable moments and you'll be a D-Day and Battle of the Bulge. It's it's all like 1944-45 European theater, so it's all sort of subject matter we've been over before and... Part of it is that. Part of it is just feeling like it's it's rehashing some of these yeah. scenes. But a, a lot of it was just kind of the mechanics that, to me, felt a little outmoded, even though the game looks great. So I was I was disappointed. It, it's not terrible, but to me, it just didn't pack the punch I was hoping for. This this game, by the way, is developed by Sledgehammer Games, which co-developed Modern Warfare 3 and right. Advanced Warfare. And I think this is the first Call of Duty game that they've done solo so, you know, I'm not going to say it was incompetent or anything, but for me, it, it just didn't deliver what I was looking for. And I'm going to get into the uh, I'm going to get into the multiplayer this yeah. week and I'll and I'll we'll have an update about that. Uh, yes. Later on. Yeah. You're a, a much more experienced Call of Duty multiplayer player I than I am. I just I dipped my toe into it. I dabbled. We actually we got some controllers from a, a company called Scuff Gaming that makes these that's like, right. esports specialist controllers that I don't need because I'm not actually good at video games, but I wanted to try them anyway. And I broke that out for my play session with Call of Duty. And I would have spent more time with this game in multi, except that it's had a ton of server issues and I actually couldn't hmm. get into the multiplayer initially. Wow. Yeah, there's there's this like Destiny-esque staging area that it, you're supposed to see all these different people like doing mini games and opening loot boxes and just hmm. milling around. And they've had to at least temporarily just make it kind of a ghost town solo where it's just you because of the server issues. So yeah. That was a problem. I did like the fancy controller because it has like paddles on the back. I, li- so I like that, it too. I've been yeah, using you, it as well. Yeah, you you don't have to use the face buttons if you don't want to. You can map things to the, the paddles on the back. And if you're really advanced, you can like 
take a screwdriver to the thing and control the sensitivity of the thumbsticks and the right. triggers and you know the thumb the, the shoulder buttons which is beyond my needs i think anyway i don't know if the controller made me any better but i held my own i would say i just played standard deathmatch it was fun you know i i think that there are some changes here that we can get into once you spend some time with it. But there's a new mode called War Mode, which is kind of a, a larger objective-based mode. And mm. then, you know, there are five classes. You can choose a class. You can play multiple classes. You're not bound by the class. You can mix and match weapons and loadouts. And so I think that the multiplayer seems to be an improvement over Infinite Warfare. People seem to be happy with that. You know, it's, here's a here's an interesting question that we can ask someone who actually knows one of these days. But I've has there ever been a a game, AAA shooter type game, or a game with a heavy multiplayer component that didn't have server issues? It's just very interesting <laughs> to me that yeah, you know, we're now three decades into the console, four decades into the console era, mm-hmm. and two decades into the online console era and it's like no one can have enough <laughs> no one ever has enough servers when they launch a freaking game yeah i know it's not i like don't you understand don't i do not understand super popular yeah it's literally <laughs> there's no get like battlefield every battlefield i've ever played every call of duty i've ever played mm-hmm. every single game is like oh that's server issues they'll figure <laughs> it out like in two weeks i yeah. just don't understand yeah. destiny why yeah. I guess, I mean, maybe it just goes back to what we've talked about on the show before, which is just that it's really hard to make games. And yes, I guess maybe, that is really the answer. <laughs> it's probably really hard to test like the massive server load when it's just the developer and some playtesters playing the thing. Maybe there's <laughs> guess, just but, no way to right. accurately simulate the demands that come from millions of people playing your game. Right. But, maybe it's, in other words, maybe it's something, it's not simply a server issue. It's some kind of architecture issue mm-hmm. that it's impossible to even know that this problem exists right. until you get like three yeah. million people trying to play your game. Yeah. That and, said, <laughs> come on. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> we're more get, likely... Get more, to remember the ones that have these kind of growing pains early. Like if it's sure. just smooth, we might just forget about sure. it. It won't come to mind as, as easily. But, uh, you know, this is not uncommon, certainly, for this sort of thing right. to happen. So, right. yeah. And God, I didn't even mention like the there are these heroic moments in the campaign, like special heroic objectives. And it's just mm. basically like a guy will be lying on the ground. He's shot and he'll just be calling out, help, help, help me. You just have to like press a button to drag him somewhere. And (laughs) it's just, again, it just does not feel integrated into the game at all. It just feels like this thing that's just stuck in there and you're just doing it to, to cross off a button. And if you wait a little too long, he'll just die and stop crying out. And you're just dragging him like three feet anyway. It just, it feels very rudimentary. So I don't know. Uh, to me, the campaign was unsatisfying, but the multiplayer, I think, will probably please people. So we'll return to that once you've spent some time with it. But I enjoyed my my brief introduction to it. There's good breadth to it. There's good variety. Of course, in classic Call of Duty fashion, you're going from being a grunt on the ground to being in a tank for a certain sequence to being in an AA gun, being in a fighter even. But all of those elements, I mean, the variety was welcome, but you never feel like you're playing a fully fleshed out game in those sequences. So for me, that just almost made the superficiality of it all more stark. So right. let's take a quick break here from a sponsor. Yeah. We'll be back to talk about Diamond Wild Pouch. Yes. What? And <laughs> Super Lucky's <laughs> Tale. 
What do you want from me? You want me to change the name on it? I would have to insist that you change the name. The ball is tipped, and here we are. Tate Frazier, Mark Titus. The game is the same. The name has changed. One shining podcast. No more teed up. No longer teed up. We got a cease and desist. Ted Valentine said, I own the concept of teeing people up. So, one shining podcast it is. And by the way, I should say this. If you're hearing the name for the first time, you heard one shining podcast, you're like, eh, I don't think I like it. I promise you, you'll like it. You'll come to like it. Maybe. Maybe. Mostly college shoots. That's what Tate and I know best. But we're also, we also know other stuff. And guess what, Titus? It's not going to be the two of us. People are going to get sick of us. People We're going to have guests. are already sick of us. First up, Martha Stewart. Next up, Ashley Judd. Oh, get her on the podcast. After that, we're going to Natalie Portman, maybe. Who is our white whale? Who, who do we absolutely need? Michael Jordan. <laughs> so there it is. One shining podcast. College basketball season will be here. After the season will be here. One shining podcast. Subscribe. Can we get Kid Rock on the podcast? No. All right. So Horizon Zero Dawn, great game developed by one of, my, one of our games of the year, certainly, right? Absolutely. Yes, yes. I think we can say that with certainty. We talked about this when this came out back in what March was it? So it's been a while. And I think when we talked about it on the show, we hadn't even finished it yet. And we both subsequently spent more time with it. And this is one of those games that I think the passage of time has just made me more and more fond of it. Like sometimes you'll like a game and It'll just it'll be transient. You won't think of it when you're done with it. And this one, the stature of this game has just grown in my mind ever since I stopped playing it. So I was very happy to have an excuse to go back to it. So this is the first DLC, first expansion for Rise and Zero Dawn. It's called The Frozen Wilds. It is pretty substantial. I would say this is like a Can't wait to play game it. length DLC. This probably took me I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of eight hours, I would guess. That's but long for you. Yeah, it's hard for me to estimate because I got sucked back into the world. Love and the I world. went back. The world is so great. And it it's the opposite, really, of the Call of Duty thing we yeah. were just talking about. Like, it feels like a real persistent place that I'm just visiting. And it is a living, breathing place that goes on when I'm not there. And I don't know how they manage that. I think it's yeah. just that... You'll come across things in the world. The robot dinosaurs and animals are just kind of roaming around constantly, whether you're there or not. They're great draw distances, so you can see clear across the map at times, and you can see these animals moving even if you're nowhere near them. There's just such great geographic diversity. It's just – it's a really great place, and I was thrilled to be back in this world. So basically, Frozen Wilds – it's, uh, I would say, several main quests, some side quests and errands. You can accept a quest from three different people, any one of three people in the main world of Horizon Zero Dawn, and they will unlock this new portion of the map for you. It's in the far north, as you could guess from the name. You're going to the Banuk homeland, and I would estimate that it's about a quarter the size of the main map, probably, in addition to the main map. So it's hmm. big. That and is big. The map in Horizon Zero Dawn, we should stress for it's anyone huge. who hasn't played it. It's huge. <laughs> it's huge. really huge. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just, I, according to the menu, and this may probably does count some time when I paused the game and walked away for a while, but apparently I've put close to 60 hours into this game, which is <laughs> not surprising. something I do <laughs> with it regularity is a, it is anymore. A gra- like, I, the, I love just 
transiting around this map. Yes. You know, yes. just going from place to place, hiding out in the tall grass. It, mm -hmm. It's a great game to just walk around in. Yeah, there's just there's so much depth to the combat system. There's such a variety of enemies. And in this expansion, so it's a new area and it's an even better looking area than I think the rest of the game, which is saying something because it's a beautiful game. But yeah. this is like a almost Nepal type setting, mountainous, snowy. It's constantly snowing. If you couldn't have guessed Horizon Zero Dawn Snow looks better than any other video <laughs> right. game snow. Like yes. the way that Aloy's feet move through the snow to me looks so much better than any video game this. snow effect I've ever seen. So you're constantly pausing to look at vistas and take screenshots just for fun. But it's, you know, it's it's ancillary to the main quest. So basically after you beat Horizon Zero Dawn, you get kicked back to right before the final mission and ah. you can... Or you can do a new game plus. You can start with all your gear, which I have not done. But I have completed almost everything. And so this new area opens up. And it's sort of a side story. It's the Banuk, And they're dealing with their own animal infestation. And there's this demonic presence that is possessing the various robots. And you have to figure out what it is and why it's happening and stop it and it's on top of a mountain and you have to do various quests to get to that mountain and get people to follow you get some status within this tribe it's not really anything new from a, a gameplay perspective like there are a handful of new creatures that are unlocked here Ooh, tell me the, well there's one called the fire claw that i won't spoil anything but it's it's maybe the most powerful beast in this game certainly up there and it's, I mean, I had some of the most satisfying battles with these fire claws of any video game battles I can remember, like just really drawn out, strategic, kind of pulse pounding action where they're just devastating attacks, like ranged attacks, up close melee how, how attacks big, that can one hit kill you. Enormous, like huge, like probably bigger than any other creature in this really? game, just dwarfing you. So. Bigger I, than I, that. What's that? The, the I forget uh, the name now of the yeah. like the sandworm thing. That's right. just yeah. gigantic. I, I would than say that? maybe certainly in that size range. Wow! And with like flaming claws, <laughs> and you you fight one of them as like a boss battle, and then you can take them on in in a few other different regions. It's it very satisfying battle, and there are new weapons. You know, new armor, new bow, new like flamethrower ice shooter that you can upgrade. And I did all of that just because it was fun, really. And yeah. uh, it's calibrated for a level 34, I think, or maybe a, a level 30, I believe. The The final mission in the game proper is a level 34. And I beat it, I, I think, somewhere just above that. So this is supposedly for level 30-ish players, but it's pretty challenging, even though by the end of this game, I I maxed out the, the level cap once I was done with this DLC. Mm -hmm. So I was level 50, but it still felt challenging. At no point did I feel overpowered. And there's some new skill tree items added. Nothing really all that sexy, but just some stuff to spend skill points on. Yeah, And the story, I mean... I really love the story of Horizon Zero Dawn, and maybe Me I'm kind of grading on a video game story curve here a little bit, but I don't think so. I'm I'm just very into this type of story, like future Earth yes. ruins of a former civilization trying to preserve civilization. Like, I've read my Canticle for Leibowitz and all of that 
type of book. So I am extremely into this story. And Horizon, like almost unique among games. Like I look forward to audio logs and text logs. I am trying to find them all. It's a highlight for me. It's actually an incentive to keep going. Yeah, that that was really a great part of Horizon Zero Dawn, and and the just the fact that all the all the voice logs and the kind of like the the what's the other the text logs, etc. Mm-hmm. I'm concussed, excuse me. <laughs> uh, you know, just that they didn't necessarily push the main story forward, but they'd flesh out the world in some kind of uh, yeah. tangible way that was really, really, really interesting. Just gave you a. Uh, a look into the way this world um, came to be the way it was. And there's a lot of mystery there. There's a lot of layers of mystery, first of all, yes. uh, that made the the uh, the story campaign just really, really, really uh, driving and interesting. Yeah, so that's how I felt about this game, too. Obviously, the, the story is optional, so it's not yeah. necessarily part of the core campaign of the game, but... It definitely adds depth to the world. It ties into the main story. I would say it gives you a deeper understanding of what you do in the main game. It even potentially sets up a sequel, it it looked like, sort of. So I just, I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it from a gameplay perspective, from a story perspective. I could spend almost as much content as they want to keep putting out there. I will be happy to dive back into this world just as often as they like. So... I mean, definitely play it if you have not already. If you haven't played the main game, play that first, but they go hand in hand, and I'd highly recommend it. It's just a a joy to be back with this group of characters and and this world. I love my man Silence. Great, great character (laughs) played by... Lance Reddick, who uh, also does good work in, in Destiny as, as well. well. The, as well as The Wire. And other yes, of course. <laughs> you may know him from The Wire, <laughs> right. but uh, good video game voice actor, too. You find out more about him in this game. So, again, just check it out. There's no reason not to if you have not uh, already. So I also want to tell you about Super Lucky's Tale before we wrap up. And... This is a game that I did not expect to spend as much time with as I did. So Super Lucky's Tale, it's developed by Playful. It is a 3D platformer, and it's the sequel to Lucky's Tale, which came out just last year, I think, and was a a launch title for Oculus. So this one is a launch title for Xbox One X. And we've really passed the golden age of 3d furry animal mascots (laughs) in platformers like i I agree (laughs) this game really harkens back to that whether it's the n64 psx era of crash bandicoot and banjo kazooie or my favorite era for for platformers like this probably just the original playstation ps2 kind of you know ratchet and clank jack and daxter sly cooper i I love all of those games Yeah, and so I've missed that, and I, we've had various challengers to those thrones, but nothing that really measures up to that quality lately, I would say. So Super Lucky's Tale is trying to be the heir to that type of game, and for the most part, I would say it, it succeeds at doing that. It's It's tough because it's coming out right after... Mario Odyssey. So I went almost right from playing Odyssey to playing this. And you never want to follow a Nintendo game if you're trying to impress anyone. So I would say that 
it's tough timing for for this game and the original lucky's tale was very well regarded i didn't play it don't have an oculus i don't know whether it was kind of graded on the vr game curve either but people like that game this one i think it's done very well like i intended to just try it so that i could talk about it briefly i ended up i think beating about half the game and oh, wow. I'll, I'll probably finish it. it it doesn't seem that long but it's your basic kind of Collecting coins, collecting clovers, collecting letters in Lucky's name, just a lot of collecting and some free roaming 3D type platforming, some more 2D side scroller stuff, some like super monkey ball-esque interludes where you're controlling a ball. Good variety and good cartoony world with pastel colors and graphics. My only Real complaint is that there's like zero personality to this game. Like if yeah, they're they- if they're trying to establish Lucky as a new mascot that can carry a series, I just I'm not seeing it here. He's he's basically Tails from Sonic. He's a fox, except he has a cape and like very empty eyes, like <laughs> soulless dead eyes. So I, I he. He doesn't talk. (laughs) This was going to be my – this was kind of my note just on – I've watched a few gameplay videos because, like, I'm a sick person. And I watched, like, some of the gameplay, the announced trailers and stuff. And, you know, it's cute enough. It's it's engaging enough uh, in terms of, like, the design. But I was hoping – I really was hoping for something that um, just stood out in some kind of way, you know, like whether that's more detail, less detail, more of a cell shading thing, more cartoony, Mm -hmm. less cartoony. Like it just feels very like, uh, you know, like Angry Birds knockoff in terms of like the art design. And I was hoping certainly for a game that was as lauded as the first one was that the the second one would be just a little more something. Yeah, right. I don't think it totally delivers there. It's it's generic sort of. It's, you know, it's got catchy songs and it's got a cartoony landscape but it's it's not memorable like it it will hook you it hooked me i'm playing it i'll probably finish it it's fun but i definitely i don't see this as like bringing back the golden age of this type of character because lucky just i mean he doesn't talk except for being like come on at the beginning of levels (laughs) and that's not doing it for me i mean to be fair mario doesn't say anything any no that is true yeah (laughs) yeah i was thinking of that as i was playing this because like is it fair to critique lucky for his lack of you know stunning dialogue just after we've been praising odyssey but yeah i guess nintendo nostalgia is doing a lot of work there but (laughs) well there again there's there's a there's a there's a uh there's just a like a artistic style that is very characteristic on its own um, yes that carries you know the thematic qualities of of that ip further uh and does lucky's tale do that out you know Eh, kind of not not really much yeah Yeah, no it's it's addictive i would i'd say play it if you like this type of game but i i I don't see lucky as a character with a ton of potential there's like next to no story here there's like a a book that you're diving into it it kind of reminds me of sly cooper in that way i love sly cooper but it just it doesn't have any of the the character of that game as far as Mm. i can see so it's fun but it it's not going to make you forget about Ratchet and Clank or or any of the games that we name checked earlier. So I'm uh, I'm glad I tried it out, and yep. I, I'll probably stick with it. All right. So I guess that that about wraps it up. We've done a, a quick survey of these three games. I enjoyed my gaming. I enjoyed not being concussed. Although I'll tell you, 
Pink Gus, it's been a great excuse for you throughout this no, podcast. Excuse. Just whenever Brain trauma. something doesn't immediately come to mind, I'm concussed. <laughs> I'm curious I to am. see <laughs> how long how long could you use that? Because that's a that's a handy uh, thing. To I'll have. give it a f- I'll give it another I'll give it like a few more days, <laughs> like a, a week after the actual event. Pat Oswald, get at me, <laughs> apologize to me, Pat Oswald. Now, yeah, be more courteous. It's too late. Of Can I get a cone? Put a, public. put put a freaking one cone. <laughs> Can you? <laughs> I can't believe you can't even put a single <laughs> cone out. <laughs> uh, well. I appreciate you being here despite yeah. being concussed and, and having black eyes. You're a trooper. Thank and you. I had some good gaming this week. I hope you can catch up. And we're going to be back soon because there's more we want to talk about. We want to talk about the Xbox One X, which is yes. out this week too. And we want to talk about Assassin's Creed Origins because you and I have both been out on Assassin's Creed for a while, but we're willing to give this a chance. So I'm going to at least start it, see if it grabs me. And we'll be back to talk about both of those things soon. So can't wait. Glad we could get together. Good gaming talk. Good gaming. Yeah. You've been listening to Achievement Oriented, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. <laughs>